Welcome to this Plus podcast, Managing Cybersecurity Threats in 2023, Episode 3. We would like to remind everyone that the information and opinions expressed by our speakers today are their own and do not necessarily represent the views of their employers or of PLUS. The contents of these materials may not be relied upon as legal advice. And now I'd like to turn it over to David to get us started. Thank you, Tyler. Good morning to everybody. Uh, this is David Shannon. Uh, I'm a partner at uh, Marshall Dennehy, uh, based out of the Philadelphia office. Um, if you haven't listened to us before, um, I chair our privacy and data security group. Um, been working on uh, data breaches and data incidents probably for over 10 years now. And we're going to talk about the halfway point for 2023, just some things we've seen, anything a little bit different than the previous years, and then maybe just touch on what we might see uh, before the year ends. And uh, with me is uh, Brendan McGann from Arite, and I'll just let Brendan introduce himself for everybody. Yeah, so I'm an incident response lead here at Arite. So I really kind of run a team of about eight to nine individuals who run into those open fires of incident response, anything from ransomware attacks to insider threats and investigations such as that with the guidance of Breach Council and helping a client through kind of their worst potential day here. Okay, great. Thanks, Brendan. And as I was saying, we'll look at where where things have gone so far in the first, say, six months of the year. I know there's been a a few reports and uh, memos, et cetera, that go out. I get all the emails from everybody telling us those things. And I think I actually got one from Arite yesterday uh, from Lynn. If I was to say, someone's asked me, what, what do you see as the big thing this year? Brendan, what I would probably say is a lot of what we've seen, for example, the Move It breach and anything similar to that, where we're seeing a lot of breaches where they're exfiltrating the data and then contacting individuals directly, not going to the breached entity with a ransom if they've encrypted it, but more just saying, hey, we've got all your data. We're going to start contacting your clients or your customers and tell them that all this data is going to be put up on the web and boy, they better pressure you to pay, et cetera. How do you feel about that? Have you seen that a lot more this this year? I think Move It is obviously the big one, but even beyond that, there's been a lot of other ones where I've seen that as well. Uh, What's been your kind of thoughts and what you've seen uh, in the last six months. Yeah, I think Movie really brought it to the forefront, brought it to everybody's attention, right? Just that potential 400 organizations and, and, and over 20 million individuals, that breach was a really well-orchestrated big event, right? Uh, that took a lot of effort to pull off in only a two-day span. But we have seen those step-ups of data exfiltration-only gangs coming to the forefront here. Things like Karakurt, Bain Lane, organizations which are no longer going to do encryption, right? People are getting much more savvy with backups and mutable backups. So we're not paying so much for we're looking at paying for the the restoration of data so much as sensitive data being uh, prevented from leaked, right? Uh, we have seen that uptick for sure. Um, I think we've seen about a 45% uptick, uh, just in a very quick kind of review of the cases I've seen in, in this year versus last year. Yeah, that was one of the things that I may have even seen it on one of your kind of weekly reports um, from Arite is that while the ransom demands have really increased, and yeah, the numbers that I see now are just even four years ago, three years ago are so much higher. I can even remember five years ago when it first started. And I was like, wow, I just paid $500,000 for some threat actor in Romania, for all I know. So the numbers have really gone up. But I think the stat that I was just alluding to is that the payments have really gone down because of, I think, as you mentioned, there's a lot better security, a lot better backups. So people aren't being forced to have to pay. I've obviously had some this year where they just said, hey, we have to pay. Last night I was on one and they're going to consider it. It wasn't a, we have to pay it. 
but we're going to look at it and see what we want to do, which is opposed to what we saw maybe in the last few years. Have you seen the same thing, that those numbers have gone up, but not the numbers of paying haven't gone up, but have actually decreased? So I think if we look at the whole total number of data exfiltration only events versus data encryption events, the overall average has increased, right? Just the market has become a little bit higher. We are seeing a, a bigger ab ability to decrease and talk down those prices on those only data encryption events, because there's always that concern. And, and I think the market's always very sensitive as to, you know, look at Klopp and they, they put it in their ransom note. They actually have a written warranty about preventing the data leakage. Whether anybody really believes these warranties is up to them, but I think that paying for data deletion is always a very sensitive topic for anybody. Yeah, so that's what one of the things I know when we talk to to clients is, and they'll ask about that. And, and that was actually a specific question from the client last night on a call, was what guarantee can you give me that we're going to get this key and that um, we're going to be able to use it and all that? And the, the negotiator for paying the ransom was indicating, I can't guarantee you that. I can tell you this is my percentages of getting that from this specific Red Actor, which was Lockbit, we, we think, with Lockbit now being kind of as service now, we're not sure, you know, mm. exactly who it is. But it, it was interesting. The client was asking the same questions as before, only now it seems that companies like yourself have a lot better uh, data, a lot better statistics that you're able to give that answer. Well, for Lockbit, 83% of the time we get the key, it's not a problem, something like that. Is that something I was going to ask you? delving into that, say with Lockbit, are you seeing now more with this ransomware as a service? Has that affected the numbers at all this year that you're not getting the keys as to oppose that you normally would when it was just that one main entity threat group? I think there's, I think definitely with Lockbit, especially in my own experience just recently, there's a little bit of a breakdown in FAR as, let's say, customer service. I've seen multiple key events. I've seen events where I've had to go back and push back additional times for working decryptors. I have an event right now, personally, that I'm going back a third and a fourth time for, for functional decryptors, whereas before Lockbit was a very easy to produce decryption encryption method. We knew that it was going to be efficient and fast. We're seeing breakdowns there and it could be because of the, either the affiliate or also it sounds like there may be some internal breakdown within Lockbit itself. Gotcha. And have you seen that, you, you used the word affiliate, have you seen that more in these last six months that we're seeing a lot more affiliates, that it's become more of a service, as people say, as opposed to just specific groups that are doing the attacks and then encrypting for the ransom. But now they're basically selling that service so that others can see it. Have, have you guys really seen that as an increase in the last six months? I think we have. And I think the scary part about that is we never know who, and, and especially anytime we get into discussions, if it's strictly for intelligence gathering, or if we're going to go down that full path to decryption and proof of deletion, you never know who that other person on the other side of the keyboard is going to be. We could have somebody who's going to be very rational and easy to talk to, or we could have we could have a cowboy on the other side, and we could have somebody who's going to be irrational and sporadic, and it's going to drive that conversation either way. Um, so that kind of skews the percentages we have. I think we have to be sensitive as to, hey, this is the average, but we never know who that other person is going to be, and maybe they're having a bad day today, and, and they're going to take it out on us, so we have to be ahead of that. Right, and I think since we're talking about where are we six months into 2023, I think if that would be one of my takeaways is it just seems to me that there's more affiliates, if you want to use that word, as, as you did. Uh, I get that a lot, and I'm getting that from people like yourself when we're on the calls or if we're on the call with Digital Mint uh, or one of the other negotiators, is they're really talking more about the affiliates now as opposed to in prior years, it was more the specific groups, and it really seems like they've broken up a bit. 
Do you guys in any way, and I don't even know how you would track it, but do you think that the ongoing Russian-Ukrainian war has affected that? Has that kind of led to even more of these affiliates being out there, or you just can't tell? I don't know that I have a statistic on that per se. I know that we did notice that when the war started, we did see a potential dip in business. We did see an impact. We're starting to see it come back to life. And I personally feel very busy at times. I think the rest of my colleagues would agree that they're definitely like any industry, right? You're going to have ups and downs, but I think we're back to normal. I can't really say with, with any real certainty, we're seeing a, the war is having an impact on the affiliates or not. Um, so. Yeah, I think I'm the same way. It's like people will ask me that and it's not like I have any kind of secret geopolitical analysis or or know what the NSA knows as to who's doing this work, whether they are Ukrainians, Russians or whatnot, who now aren't on the front lines anymore. (laughs) But as I say, you would think it would affect it. And we'll just have to wait and see. I I still believe that once that war finally ends, my concern is you're going to have all these people who have way more computer tech savvy skills after doing all this work with hacking and the drones and everything else we see over there, it's where are they all going to go to work? And they're going to be, there's going to be a lot of money that can be thrown at them to come work for these threat actor groups. I think that's a, something down the road I think could be a real concern is when it finally ends. You know, right now there are Ukrainian military hackers or the Russian military hackers. Where do they go to work when the war's over? And I think that could be a real problem. I think if you're dealing with geopolitical issues where they're attacking each other, it can stay between them. And then now that if the war starts ending, what do they do with their, the remainder of their time? Are they going to you know, start attacking you know, everybody else? It, it'll be interesting to see if we see a huge uptick after it. That would be a kind of a really interesting topic to talk about at some point. Right. And an, another thing this year, get your thoughts on it, is obviously AI has been all over the news. It's like all of a sudden the, the major media just discovered AI at the beginning of the year. It became such a big deal in the, in the news media. Do you guys see any of that where you can say that's affecting cybersecurity or cyber attacks? Or is it more right now that we assume the cybersecurity companies who are developing uh, security software are going to use that to try and better enhance defenses? And on the other side, are the threat actors using it anyway? I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Have you guys gotten any kind of data or any thoughts on that? So I, I think it's interesting, right? Like any tool that's out there that can be used for good is going to be used for evil. We just know that. So as EDR platforms have been using AI for threat detection, scanning purposes, but at the same time, I imagine that's also being used against us. So there are many articles out there that have seen that they're using AI to write ransomware code. So I think what will happen in 2024, will this spill into next year? We'll start seeing AI being used maliciously. It, again, that's one of those amazing things that we'll see. What comes in 2024, we've seen big data breaches this year. What spills out, it it could happen. Again, I wish I had more in-depth information on that. That would be a really interesting topic. Yeah, I think that's the topic that we'll see kind of panels on at every cyber conference for the next few years. Let's just say five years ago when all of a sudden ransomware started being the hot topic and everyone went to that panel group discussion, we'll then see that happen with AI as we go forward. Oh, absolutely. Um, and then there'll be a next hot topic uh, as we're talking about AI, what's going to be the, the next problematic event in the future. So for sure. Absolutely. I, I always use the analogy when I'm talking to people. I say, my son was born in 2007. He was only 16. You know what? That's when the first iPhone came out. <laughs> it shows you how, how this, this industry of just the computers and the data and the mobile phones and everything is just so, it's so young. And, and so it's just when it's infant stage and, and Lord knows where it's going to go over the next 10 years, 50 years, hundred years. And the adoption to it. I think I knew as I was going through school, I would lose points if I didn't have a type paper written on a computer. Now 
they're issued computers at early ages and classes. And I think yeah, the adoption of technology at a much younger age is only going to become more and more proficient as we see performance throughout the environment. But we're becoming a much more attached to, to technology environment just all around. Yeah, absolutely. And as, as you said, it can be used for good. It can be used for bad. Um, another, another note I was going to um, bring up with you just in the last say six months, are you seeing more, and I, and I think I've, I've seen some articles on this, of the source code for the ransomware, that, it, that it's more accessible now, it's either been um, leaked on, onto the web or the dark web, or it's being sold now, so it's all over the place. Has that really been something that's more of an increase this year than we saw in prior years? I think we have. I think we've seen a little bit of that kind of pick up and increase. I think as affiliates, and, and that's going to be another issue, right, with affiliates is, are you potentially looking at disgruntled employees? Are you looking at splinter sales because, hey, they're not thinking they're getting a big enough cut of the affiliate market space. So you may potentially see some breakdown in the affiliate structures. Are you going to see more backlash to see the admin organization? And I think that's a real potential because we're not dealing, like I said, through our communications, always the most rational people. Sometimes we're dealing with people that that have obviously coming from criminal organizations here. Yeah, absolutely. I just see that as the big problem. The more it splinters out, the more uncertain it is, the uncertainty that we have then that we're actually going to be able to get good keys, multiple keys, as you said, in some uh, instances and incidents. Uh, and that they're going to work and there's not going to be problems. I had one earlier this year that, you know, a, a, a good ransom was paid. All the keys came back as far as we knew, but there was one server that just could not get up. It was just gone. It was wiped out. And it was a huge problem for that business not getting that back. So after all of the hard work, everything that had been done, we ended up having a huge gap and hole in their operations getting back up and running. And I think with all the source code out there even more in the Wild West, so to speak, all of these affiliates. I think that's one of the big takeaways so far this year is it's just splintering out so much. And we'll have to see if that continues and what it affects. A couple other issues I just wanted to mention, Brendan, before we would close out is from my standpoint, because I'm a lawyer, um, I think there's been a lot more uh, law firm breaches uh, in in this year. It just seems to me that way. Um, I think I saw a stat somewhere in the last couple of months that was true. Now, a lot of that may be the move it breach because there were a lot of big law firms in New York based that were hit with that. But how about you guys? Do you have a stat or a feeling on that as to where there more professional services that were hit this year so far? Yeah. So I, I ran this too, and I looked at it and I do see a, a very real increase within the professional services side. So, and I'm, I'm not sure if we can chalk it up to move it, if we can chalk it up to just a real targeted attack against the industry. We're dealing with organizations that when they, the criminal mindset potentially have more income, they have more more money coming in the front door. Whether or not they understand how IOLTA accounts work and client fund accounts work, that may be a very different discussion. And trying to explain those processes that just because we have the money doesn't mean we can give it out for ransom. That's a very hard discussion to have to try to talk these people off that. But I would agree with you. I really have seen an uptake in professional services throughout the year. Yeah, that's a good point. I had one worth a small to mid-sized firm that did mostly estate work, wills and estate. So somehow if you looked at those IOTA accounts, some of the others, it was a lot of money in there. But when that ransom came in, the managing partner just laughed and said, God, if we had that kind of money, I wouldn't be sitting in the office six days a week. So that is an issue. They don't understand. No. And I think it's the same thing when they get a copy of the insurance policy and they, they see it. We know that the value of the insurance policy is XYZ and, and they just assume that's going to be the ransom demand. Trying to explain how coverage works to a threat actor is is almost impossible as trying to explain how client fund accounts work or operating costs. Yeah. Yeah, we have (laughs) one where they had to explain that insurance policy they had. 
was four years old and there was yeah. a lot more exclusions in the policy from where we were now. The last one I wanted to mention was just obviously it's always still that the business email compromises. We see those with large numbers too. See the a lot with the small numbers. There's these small little threat actors that do all these Microsoft scams with the security alerts, the PayPal scams. I haven't seen those as much this year. That was more last year, I think. But still seeing a lot of these little Microsoft security scams where that pop-up comes up and they got people running around either to their bank or to get gift cards or God knows what else to pay these things. Is that just because it's all splintered out that these are all just low-level hackers who've figured out how to use that code and they're just sending it out to thousands and thousands of systems and then see what happens? Yeah, I think the shotgun uh, blast approach is really efficient with that. They're going to go and just see what they can get. Yeah, you know, they'll and they'll target tax season too, right? Because they're gonna they're gonna try to get people to log in to to give them any kind of information they can. I think that BECs are just going to be something that we'll see perpetually. The big exchange zero days are the thing in the past as everybody kind of migrates off of the exchange environment, moves into Office three sixty five. Those they're gonna they're gonna utilize what they can. So I would anticipate BECs being a thing for in perpetuity here. Make it more and more refined is stealing the passwords and redirections to uh, potential Office 365 mimic sites. But I think we're going to see maybe a little bit more refinement in the future. Maybe it'll make it look a little bit more professional. Stop misspelling words in the spam messages would be good. Make it look a little bit more believable. So. Yeah, I think so. Some of them are, are really good and some of them are like just, you know, almost pathetic in them yeah. that I hear about. But when they started... I guess it probably was last year when I first started seeing someone, they started like passing people over to other individuals. So that was when I was like, wow, they're really getting sophisticated. They're like, let me tell, let me connect you with someone in our customer service on another thing. And next thing you know, the client's telling me they talked to two different people as part of this whole scam. Yeah. Um, my own personal feeling is that until the banks are somehow found liable for this, that it's not going to change. But I think if we had some lawsuits somewhere where some banks got hit for not having proper security or not being able to change their policies and procedures so that they're responsible for multi-million dollar scams and compromises that sends the money off to China, I don't think it's, it's going to change. You would think that there's at some point going to be some recognition, especially with these ACH transfers, if they're seeing multiple ACH transfers being completed to accounts that have just been recently set up, that there'd be some type of red flag that would go off in the banking system. Hundreds of thousands of dollars being migrated to an account, which they've never done transactions with in the past, which was only created within the past seven days. Yeah, you think that the banking system would pump the brakes here and go, whoa, hold on, I think I think we need to flag this and potentially consider this as something nefarious. But yeah, I think that would be a change in the banking policy. Yeah, that's, I think that's the issue on those is how it's going to change. Okay, Brennan, anything else, any thoughts on in the next six months, anything uh, that's going to pop up, you think, or you think it's just going to be this continued kind of issue with these ransomware for service type events? And obviously the big one is more and more where we're just seeing the exfiltration and they don't even dump a, a ransom encryption malicious code in there. They just take the data and say, you're going to have to pay for it. Yeah, it's going to be tricky to say. I think as we see backups get better and better, we may see the market switch to more of just data exfiltration. And we've seen Acura decryptors come out. We've seen Hive decryptors come out. And then and then they have to retool themselves, right? Are we going to see bigger breaches like the Move It case? That was well orchestrated, organized. They waited very specifically till there was a UK bank holiday and Memorial Day to attack these these networks across such a broad spectrum here. Are we going to see threat actors really organize themselves to go after not just singular targets one by one, or maybe potentially a larger exploit and 
go for much more targeted large scale attacks. Yeah, I think that'll be the interesting thing to see is, yeah, if I had one kind of takeaway, it's just more and more of these incidents where they're not dropping the ransomware malicious software, but just doing the the exfiltration and then providing the note. So we'll see how that goes over the next six months. And I'm sure we'll have another one of these at the end of the year for a year-end roundup. Yeah, I think a year-end wrap-up would be really interesting to see what the biggest breaches were. We started off early with the Midnight Group, who was scaring everybody, and then the takeaway movement just blew them out of the water. Yeah, it's amazing. Every year there's something different. All right, Brendan, I appreciate you getting on with us, and we thank everybody for listening, and we'll probably be back online with Plus in three or four months. Thanks very All much. Right. Thank you for having me. Thank you, David and Brendan, for sharing your insights with Plus, and thank you to our listeners for listening to this Plus podcast. If you have ideas for a future Plus podcast, you can share those by completing the content idea form on the Plus website.